Praise the Lord. God bless you, everyone. This is Apostle Ivory Hopkins. I am extremely excited to have you to listen to our podcast messages. We are trusting that the Holy Spirit will bless you. We're going to take you into a message in just a few minutes. Amen. Where I feel that God is going to give you insight, revelation, and wisdom through the teachings that the Lord has given us to present before you. If you want to get up with us on our website, our website is pilgrimsministry.org. That's pilgrimsministry.org. It is my pleasure and my honor to bring this anointed message to you where I am preaching and teaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, giving God's people insight that will strengthen their spiritual walk, build their family, and put under their feet the enemy on every level. Now sit back and enjoy this message. God bless you, my dear friend, and thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. And Lord God, we give you thanksgiving and we give you praise. You know, this particular broadcast, my dear friend, we are about to do a broadcast and I do dedicate this to my sister, Lovey Hopkins. I dedicate this to my sister, Lovey Hopkins, who went home with the Lord Saturday, uh, January the 2nd. She went home with the Lord. Amen. And we thank God for her salvation. And I used to love to do these lives and watch my sister's response because she was the one that helped raise me as a child in my teen years. I used to stay with Lovey from time to time. Well, anyway, God bless you to all my family, brothers and sisters, as we are dealing with our sister that have gone on with the Lord, doing battle with this COVID beast that is out here. But to God be the glory. Thank God my sister love is saved. She's absent from the body and present with the Lord. I dedicate today's broadcast to my sister Lovey. And to many of you that are out there, I will be going back to work in a couple of days. Amen. I'm doing this midnight uh, Facebook Live because I really don't want to encounter with trying to have to talk to anyone or inbox someone. I just want to share this word with you. Amen. And as I said, I dedicate it to my sister Lovey, who had passed away. Amen. On January the 2nd going home with the Lord, battling. Amen. Well, this teaching I'm going to be talking about today is basic principles for testing teachings, basic principles for testing teachings. And I'm going to try to take my time. And I trust that my voice is coming across strongly. Amen. Some of you out there that listen at me, let me know whether the sound is good on my voice with this broadcast. There is a necessity for all believers to recognize deception before you're overtaken by it. I'm going to repeat it again. There is a necessity for all believers to recognize deception before you're overtaken by it. And let me say this to you. Amen. There are four main divisions of recognizing deception. Four main divisions. And I'm going to talk about that tonight and break them down. Now, most of you, if you've got your pens and pencils, get them out. I'm going to take my time in this teaching so that I can give clarity. One of the main ways that I do deliverance when I'm ministering to someone on any level of deliverance, my basis is always trying to find rather the approach we're taking is biblical and sound. That the help we get the, give them to get freedom is based upon the word because only the word of God can actually keep us free. Not just casting out demons, not just praying and interceding, but according to the word rightly divided. 
And here goes these four areas. And I'm going to teach throughout this teaching. But I want you to get this. Number one, if you're recognizing any form of deception, even if a thought or a word comes to you, number one, they will weaken the authority of the scripture. Got that? That's number one. Whenever the enemy is setting us up to be deceived, he will weaken the authority of the scriptures. Break it down in simple language. He will try to weaken what God has said or change it to something else. Number one, distort the teachings in the scripture. Will distort them. Means he will quote a verse and interpret it incorrectly. So um, one, weaken the authority of scripture. Number two, distort the teachings in scripture. Number three, the enemy will add to the scripture the thoughts of men or demons. I'm going to say it again. The enemy will add to scripture the thoughts of men or demons. And then the fourth level, he will put scripture entirely aside. No Bible whatsoever. Just and he will use anything, even if he has to use that. I noticed his God because I felt goosebumps on my hand. I know this was the Lord because the hair stood up on my arms. My dear friend, many people have been deceived by feeling manifestations that have no word basis. Matter of fact, the fourth level is the hardest one to actually do battle with the enemy with because there are so many people who have beliefs in their own heart that demons have set up that are not based upon sound biblical principles. I'm going to go through these four one time for you guys again. Amen. Number one, they weaken the authority of scripture. Number two, they distort the teachings in scripture. Number three, they add to the scriptures the thoughts of men or demons. And number four, they put scripture entirely aside now let's look at this in genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 and this is i'm starting with principle one how satan the serpent weakened the authority of scripture or weakened the authority of god's word now here is what god said in genesis 2 16 and 17 and i'm gonna just do verse 16 here's what god truly said and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. I'm going to say it again. And the Lord, this is Genesis 2, 16. And the Lord God commanded. And the key word here is God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat. Now let's look at the word command. This word command means, listen at this, it means to give a charge, to send with a command or send a message and put it out. In other words, it also means to set something in order. So when God gives a commandment, he is setting things in order. I may not pronounce this word correctly in the Hebrew, but it is tasava, T-S-A. V-A-H, T-S-A, 
V-A-H. And it means to, number one, to constitute. It means to appoint. It means to give a charge. Send out a commandment. Also, put out an order. So when God commanded man, saying, every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, he was giving him a charge. He was constituting a charge. He was appointing something clearly. Now let's look at Genesis 2:17, And it's important to keep that word command. Every time that mankind gets off of the commandments of God, we end up into carnal or spiritual trouble. Every time. Listen at this in Genesis 2:17. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. Now let's read that verse one more time. And this is what God said. Genesis 2.17 But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest, therefore Thou shalt surely die. Are you are you following me? Now check this out here. Uh, now in Genesis 3, 1 and 3, when the serpent approaches Eve, he's now getting ready to weaken the authority of Scripture or weaken the authority of God's voice and word. Look what it says, Genesis 3, 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, here it comes, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now he is saying, this word, yea, hath God said, it is the enemy's plan of weakening what God said in his word. Check out what this, what the woman says. And the woman said unto the serpent, Ye may not eat of the tree of the garden, but of the tree, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest you die. Now, where in the world did Eve get God saying, If you touch it, you're going to die? God said, Ye shall not eat of it. Or ye shall surely die. Right there just a little bit. Eve had something going on there. That the serpent was kind of hustling. Kind of pimping her a little bit. See serpents turns around and saying. Yea have God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Putting the question there. That question planted in Eve's mind. In addition to what God said. Diverting slightly. From what the word said, Eve answers back and said, you shall eat of it, neither shall you eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, check this out, ye shall not surely die. Got that? The serpent was weakening the authority of what God said by putting, by changing the words to what he wanted to say. And listen to what Satan turns around and says. Genesis 3, 4, and 5. The serpent said unto woman, ye shall not surely die. Now deception always changes 
what God says. Deception also will get you to misquote the commandments, the words, or the scriptures and pervert them and cause them to be perverted. Look at Genesis 3 and 5. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, but God doth know. Now look what it's saying now. Now he's putting a, a feeling in Eve as if God is trying to hold back from you getting knowledge because God is envious. Watch this. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. No, not you. I mean, if you do it, you're going to get a different result than everybody else. Eve, Adam, but God doth know that the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, what the serpent did then, what this deceiver did then was, he made it look as if, watch this, Ed, according to the devil, God was just too scared of them. Listen to this. According to the devil, God just wants to scare them away so they don't become like him. God is competitive and jealous. I'm going to read this one more time. The serpent was trying to implicate to Eve, according to this devil, God just wants to scare you away from this so that you don't become like him. Now, in this verse here, when it says, then your eyes shall be open, it also implicated that God is trying to keep you from deeper revelation. How many of you out there have seen the enemy come and tell you that you're going to get deeper revelation than the rest of the people? I say this to you. Hear my heart here. I have met many people that come under spirits of deception that have weakened the scripture either twisted the scripture or weakened it and changed it from what it really said. But then it turns around and tells them how special they are. Can I tell y'all something and, 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 it, and it shouldn't blow your mind. Do you know the temptations you're going through and the trials you're going through? Excuse me. They're common under man. Are you hearing me? You're not getting attacked any worse or less because you're greatly anointed. You're not going through because you're so special, such a unique creature that the enemy has to do more to you because you're such a threat to him. Now, now, I say this in the sense of being built up and puffed up with pride so that demons of deception can start telling you kind of crazy things. I mean, I've dealt with people who felt like it was their place to go to a funeral, in the middle of the funeral and raise the dead which they did not, and they ended up in a mental institution, and thank God for God delivering them. And I've also met people that thought that Jesus was keeping them away from having sex. So when an incubus spirit came into their bedroom, or a marine spirit, they started having sex with a demon that called itself Jesus, told the girl that she was his bride. So the enemy will pump you up in order to bind you up. Listen once again what it says, Genesis 3, 5. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, small g-o-d's, knowing good and evil. Now listen to this. Shall be as God, translate this word here, is Elohim. It can mean you shall be like the supreme God. Also occasionally, 
It also, this word Elohim, means magistrates, angels, goddesses, or gods, or the mighty ones. Now, now I, I'm, I'm taking a little license here. But because that is small G-O-D, most of us who teach and train in deliverance and demonology, we believe that Satan was withholding from her understanding that you shall be as the fallen angels. You shall be as those that are rebels and watchers and those that like Sam Zusa and different ones that have fallen away and been cast out by God. The word Elohim or Elohim grammatically means gods or deities. So the Saint Eve had no idea that Satan was setting them up to fall under the dominion of the fallen deities, of the little G-O-Ds, the magistrates, the watchers, the ones that were under, that had already fallen, the ones that would soon be the progenerators of the Nephilim. Many of them would be those of the 200 that conspired with Sam Zusa to go into men and women, go into women in Genesis chapter 6. But that's a whole nother teaching that I am going to do more in depth. Amen. So you shall be as gods. I personally believe that that word small g-o-d's Elohim was talking about deities, angels, fallen ones. Now, when you go to the book of Matthews, we're still dealing with distort the teachings in scripture. Now, one, he weakens it. Number two, he distorts it. In Matthews chapter four, beginning at verse three, Matthews chapter four, verse three. Most of you know this ver ver well, these verses like the back of your hand. And when the tempter, Matthew 4, 3, and when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, here he is now trying to distort the scriptures, trying to distort it. Watch this. God made it clear that he was a son in Matthew 3, 17. There was no need, there was no necessity for Jesus trying to prove to the enemy that he was a son of God or he is the son of God. What this is, is the enemy using a diversion to get him to actually enact out of his own flesh instead of engage him in the spirit. Now watch this. In Matthew 3.17, Lo, the heavens open, saying, This is God the Father speaking. This is my beloved Son, period, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus heard this word. He got the word from the Father in his spirit, man. And just like we should do, once we get the sure, rightly divided, clear word of God in our spirit, man, we should not divert from it to the east or to the west, left or right. Now, let's go back to Matthew 4. But Jesus asked them, now in Matthew 3, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Matthew 4 and 4. He answered them, said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus didn't even give Satan the time of day of saying, I am a son. Let me prove it. Verse 5. 
Then the devil taketh him unto the a holy city and set of him on the pinnacle of the temple. Now listen at this here. And said unto him again, if thou be the son of God, here he is now playing on his sonship. How many of you have ever had the enemy play on your sonship? Try to make you prove that you are son of God. You know what? I have a son named Ivory. And what makes him my son is not rather his good or bad, not rather he's tall or short, but he was born. He has my DNA. He has what well, he and what I and that's what makes him my son. Period. He could go out here and live righteous or not live right at all. He will still be my son. And I maintain to tell you, when God makes you a son, when God makes you his called out church, you are exactly that. And don't let no demon in hell make you try to prove you are a son of God. Let nothing try to make you prove that you are not the bride of Christ. Jesus, I thank you. And so what he says here, said to verse 6, And said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge to thee. Now watch this. Satan now is tempting Jesus to perform an act. How does deception work? It, it misquotes scriptures and then puts a demand on you to act it out. Check this out. He, he, listen, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. I'm going to stop at this verse and I'm going to seven after I make this statement. If Jesus would have jumped, Jesus would have died. Are y'all hearing me? <laughs> Do you hear me? I'm going to say it again. In this particular point of this temptation, if Jesus would have jumped, Jesus would have died. Now, Brother Ivory, why would he have died? Because there was no commandment for him to perform that act. Matter of fact, Jesus actually answered Satan and said, Jesus said unto him, it's written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. If Jesus had attempted God the Father by jumping down off of that pinnacle in order to prove to Satan he was the son of God he would have actually damaged himself and I want y'all to listen to me many believers throughout Christendom many believers throughout the body of Christ for years have made dumb mistakes and done things to prove so-called their faith in God and died I know in certain areas of Tennessee and in the mountain, some had snake handling teachings. And some of the people died. They got bit by a snake and died early. I can get even more radical. The, the children of God, and I'm, not ta I'm talking about a cult, I think it is. The name of what's children of God. They literally killed themselves thinking that they were going to be taken away in some kind of spaceship. Because some demon had them to do things to prove that they were right with God. Be careful of the enemy distorting scripture to position you in a place to do something unscriptural. Jesus told Satan, it is written. Now later on, right in the same verse, you're going to find out a little further down. The same angels that Satan was quoting about 
actually came to minister to Jesus, but not because he jumped off that pinnacle. So Jesus said unto him, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And the devil take of him exceedingly to a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus, here we go. Then Jesus said unto him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt not, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou worship. In this particular temptation, he could have been tempted as some of us are today to get filled with greed, mammon, and finances instead of getting filled with the Father, grace, and truth. There is a danger. Jesus was offered the money route. He was offered the fame route. Nimrod said it well in the book of Genesis. Nimrod built a tower and said, let us make a name for ourselves. The Lord said he would not, he would not share his glory with nobody. Jesus knew that it was not scriptural for him at that time to gain the kingdom. Now here goes the unique thing. Jesus did not, didn't come anyway to gain the earthly kingdom. Jesus was not born, amen, to be rich. Are you hearing me? Now, I have not. Now, this is not me saying, oh, we supposed to be poor and we ain't supposed to have nothing. Don't go there with me. But the day that that captures the drive for God in your life, you're in trouble. The day that all you're doing is all about money, all about fame, all about blowing up, you're in trouble. We have to be even careful here in social media, dealing with how many hits we get rather than how many hits we got from God. Now, I'm not one that's fighting social media. I thank God for social media. But I maintain to tell you, the problem won't be social media preacher. The problem will be you if you allow yourself to distort the scripture and take the kingdoms of the world instead of making your life, amen, be filled with the kingdom of God. And I'm not talking about being broke, poor, amen, or lacking. But I'm talking about being focused, amen, seeking first his kingdom, and also putting God first in all you do. I'm moving right along. And listen to this. And verse 8, Matthew 4, 8 and 9. And again, the devil taking him into an exceedingly high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Believe you me, brothers and sisters, the enemy is looking to be worshipped. Got that? Jesus turns around and answers him. Then said Jesus unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Notice, every time, that Satan came at Jesus, he came at him with a rightly divided word. Come on, somebody. He came at him with a rightly divided word. Matthew 4, 4, 11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. The same angels came and ministered to Jesus when he engaged the enemy. By rightly dividing the word of God. 2 Timothy 2.15. 
In other words, Satan mentioned the fact because he knew. He knew that if Jesus stayed in the word, the angels will come and minister with him. Now, I'm going to say something with you. The purpose of all deception is to separate you from God, from angelic protection, and also from the spirit of error. If that can get you, it will pull you in. And the enemy loves to do these four things. And I'm going to mention them again and move straight right along. The enemy loves to, number one, weaken the authority of Scripture. Number two, distort the teachings in Scripture. Number three, add to the Scriptures the thoughts of men or demons. And number four, put Scripture entirely out of the way. Now let me proceed on with this teaching. I'm trusting that you're enjoying this. Now here goes what we're in uh, when Scripture is added to the thoughts of men. I told you in that lineup, he likes to add to Scripture the thought of men. 2 Timothy chapter 4 reads like this. 4 verse 1. 2 Timothy 4 1. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned to fables. Now, here goes the, the level of deception. Getting teachers that are putting in the thoughts of men. In other words, not the gospel at all. The thoughts of men. 1 Timothy 4.14 and, and says, Now the Spirit speaking expressly that in the latter days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrine of devil. Matter of fact, uh, that verse I read up there earlier, Glory be to God goes along with this one here. 1 Timothy 4.1 The Spirit clearly says that in the latter time, some shall abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Are you hearing that? They will get folks with itching ears. Now an itching ear is people become uneasy hearing the truth and want to hear something soothing and, and or distracting. In other words, when you got an itching ear, you only want to hear nothing but nice, nice, sweet, sweet. We're all just fine. Live any kind of way. No demand of holiness. You ain't got to live right. You can just you just just flow through life. Doesn't work like that, dog pumpkin. There is no judgment. Yes, there is. There, there is heaven in their hell. There is heaven in hell. And people go there. I'm sorry. I'm not going to change the gospel. Are you hearing me? And there is accountability for our actions. Amen. And you're born again, you can't live any kind of way. If you're born again, there is moral. There's a moral and a spiritual demand put upon your life. And there is a, such a thing as S-I-N, sin. Are you hearing me? So, they add to scripture and thoughts of men. They heap up to themselves teachers with each itching ears. And they depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing devils. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We are not to add to the word of God. And there are verses that teach that. And, and there are a number of people that, in other words, they like to add to the word of God. Put something in the word that God didn't say. This is the level where scriptures are, are the thoughts of men. Many times the thoughts of men add things to the Bible that it didn't say. And you'll find this. In these verses here, Revelations 22, 18 and 19, 
Deuteronomy 4 and 2. Deuteronomy 12, 32. Proverbs 30, verse 5 and 6. So we are not to add to Scripture the thoughts of men. That's the reason why we have so many people that are teaching humanism, that are teaching all kinds of teaching that's not based upon the Word of God. And I maintain to tell you, it might sound good. People might enjoy it, but it is not the Word of God. It scares me today. In the modern age we live in, it scares me today how many messages are preached and Christ is hardly mentioned. The gospel is not something you teach and pop Jesus in for a couple of times while you feed people something that's not the word of God. Now I'm going to move right along. The, next, the fourth level that I'm going to hit here in this teaching, amen, is put the scriptures entirely aside. Now, when it says put the scripture entirely aside, mean there's no biblical principle for what you're doing. That's called putting the scripture completely aside. And look what Paul said. The apostle Paul warned about those who would put aside the word and, and, he, and, he, and he warned the early church. Here goes what he said in Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 31. Listen at this, dear loves. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he have purchased with his own blood. This is Paul talking. For I know, verse 29, Paul says, For I know this, that after my departure shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the sheep. He was saying a spirit of wolf would come in. A wolf will devour the sheep. Paul, uh, Jesus even talked about wolves in sheep's clothing. Also of your own self. Check this out. Now, uh, Acts 20 verse 30. Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. So Paul was saying, right from among your own self, men will arise, pulling people to themselves. Not exalting God, but putting people to themselves. Listen here, my dear friend. This has happened all over the place. I mean, the most extreme manner was Jim Jones. Many of you know what happened in Guyana with Jim Jones. He went from, he started out basically preaching the word. That's what I heard. And later on, got into self-exaltation. You have to be careful that the spirit of Leviathan and pride and the spirit of Antichrist will have you get to a point. Now, let me say this, what, what I found out. The way life and ministry and spiritual warfare operates is this. If the enemy can't stop you from being saved, he will try to interfere with you understanding the principles of salvation. If he can't stop you from getting the principles, he will try to get you to get so puffed up to think that when you prophesy, you can't be wrong. When you get a message so-called from God, it's all God. You don't have to test it. And anybody that challenges you, they're wrong. And it's a danger. It is a danger. There was another brother in the book of 3 John. His name was Diatrophes. Diatrophes was a leader in the church that when John was sending missionaries, the brethren, to go talk to the fellowship there, 
He was so puffed up and so controlling. He was like a controlling, manipulating apostle that welcomed nobody in the fellowship so that he could have the preeminence, so that he could control and rule. That's demonic. I must say something else that's strongly demonic. To think that your ministry, your church is the only one that got truth, how warped. How deceived to think that your little fellowship in y'all's little corner, I wouldn't care if you had a million members. God, the Holy Ghost is too wise to invest all of his truth in just one human being. Listen, God's seen how that works out. God has seen down through the years. God the Father has seen what happens when he puts too much trust in the arm of flesh. We mess it up. God is not going to share his glory, my friends. God is not going to share his glory. And the gateway to deception is self-exaltation. The gateway to deception is non-teachableness. The gateway to deception is to isolate yourself. No one can talk to you. No one can teach you. And you're just getting all these revelations. It's God. Everything that speaks to you, it's God. Every time you get a, get a feeling, it's God. My dear friend, you are being set up. Jesus kept saying, over and over and over, it is written. Paul talked about saying, study to show yourself approved unto the word of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let me go ahead and talk about this diatrophies. John, 3 John, verse 1, beginning at verse 9 and 10. I wrote to the church, but diatrophies, who love to be first place, will have nothing to do with us. And now, and now here, let's, this is verse in verse 10. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing. Gossiping maliciously. This is in the NIV. In the NIV. Paul writes like this. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. Now, when it said he loved to be first, in other words, he liked to be a real special about himself. Ain't nobody got a revelation but our apostle. Ain't nobody teaching deliverance, but I deliverance teaching. Ain't nobody teaching the word but me. Give me a break. Yeah, let's just give me a break. Okay? I'm not impressed with you. Because of the simple fact, I know that God's got people that none of us even heard of that are deep in the word. That I got some people that none of us even heard of could take all of us that's on the main line and set us down and teach us something. That's if, we're, if our flyers don't stop us from being taught. That's if our, what people think about us, uh, who we are, who we have pumped ourselves up to be. My God, people of God, we need to just humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and know the Holy Ghost is too wise to invest everything in your little camp, organization, or whatever y'all want to call yourselves. Move right along. Not mad with nobody. I'm just saying. I ain't got a beef with nobody. I'm just saying the truth. Wrote the gateway to deception is self-exaltation. Ask Nimrod. First John, third John 1, 1 10 says, So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refused to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Did you get this, dude? Diotrephes was so messed up, so filled with Leviathan, that he would not receive the Apostle John's missionaries coming to his church. Then he turns around, and anybody that wanted him to come, he puts them out of the church. 
That sounds like some churches that we've heard of. My dear friend, this here is stuff. This is just this is just old. Uh, this is just new and Old Testament ways the enemy has deceived folks. Are you hearing me? Once again, before I leave this teaching, all teachings originated from deceptive spirits will number one weaken the authority of scriptures. Number two, distort the teaching in scriptures. Number three, add to scriptures the thoughts of men or the inspiration of demons. Number four, put scripture away entirely. I've actually heard people that were once great preachers tell people that they don't need the Bible. You don't need to read that. We got a newer revelation. Really? You got a revelation where you don't need the word no more. People of God, let me tell you something. We need to be humbly careful. We need to be wise enough to understand that Satan never changed his plan. He still tries to weaken scripture. He still tries to distort them. Say something the verses are not saying. He also loves to add scriptures to the thoughts, add the thoughts of men or demons to scriptures. That's what he does. He likes to add it so he can create another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit. You find that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle Paul said, I fear by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity, the simpleness, the singleness in Christ. I'll tell you all something. The disciples, the disciples, when one day got to talking amongst themselves, who would be the greatest among them? And they got in sort of a debate. And when Jesus asked them, what is it that y'all are discussing? And they told him, he said, well, we're discussing in the kingdom which one of us was going to be the greatest. Jesus said, the one that would be the greatest among you is servant of all. But these same disciples before that they had had that discussion among themselves, they saw a person casting out demons in Jesus' name. And they go to Jesus all cheerful. Hey, Lord, guess what? What? We saw one casting out devils in your name, but we forbid him. Yeah, we saw one doing the gospel, but we shut him down. We saw one doing the word, but he wasn't in our organization. Didn't have on our costume. Didn't look like who we are. Wasn't a part of our gang. So we shut him down. And Jesus turned around and said, what? Don't you know that no man can do these miracles and speak lightly of me? They were attacking the very thing that he was trying to give them revelation to. Now, here goes the amazing thing to me about that dude. That dude did not follow the 12 disciples. He was not recorded as hanging with them. But somehow he caught the revelation. I want some of y'all to get this. There are people who are not hanging around in your group. They're not a part of your clan. And they got a revelation. And they got it the same place that God gave you yours. The Apostle Paul was never numbered among the apostles. He was not one of the 12. Matter of fact, when the 12 disciples were alive, the Apostle Paul was running around trying to kill them. He was running around trying to get rid of them. 
He became a danger to the New Testament church. But when God knocked him down on the Damascus Road, when the spirit of the living God gave him Saul, some why persecuted thou me, the power of God raised the apostle Paul up and he became numbered with the apostles. One time Paul had to write Peter in the church a letter and let them know. He said, are they apostles? So am I. He began to tell them, look, y'all had a name before me, but I came one out of due season. And Paul wrote more gospel than Peter ever did. The apostle Paul had the records of Paul's work was greater in the scriptures, in the New Testament, building of the New Testament, than any of the apostles. But they were all equal in the sense that God called them all in divine purpose. God called them all in divine destiny. My dear friends, before I, I go, once again, I say these four. Be careful of these four ways of deception. One, things that weaken the authority of Scripture. Be careful when you get some teaching that tries to switch or change out what the Word says. Two, they distort the teachings in Scripture. Distort something. To distort something means to say it but slightly bend it a little bit. Also, Add to scripture the thoughts of men or demons. Check that out in your own personal walk, your own church. And let me make it even better. Check that out with some of us that you listen to on YouTube. Do it with me. I want you to judge to find out what I'm teaching, whether it's right or not. I want you to judge it. Please do. I don't have an anointing. Well, I'm so anointed. You can't judge what I'm teaching. I want you to judge it. I want you to find out whether it is the world, word of God or not. And the last one is they put the scripture entirely aside. In other words, they're doing things in the name of the Lord. And we said, where's that in the Bible? Can't find it. They're doing things in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Holy Ghost, in the name of the anointing. And you can't find it in scripture. Then why are you imposing that on people? Why are you imposing something on people that have no biblical basis to it? It's because when people in human nature... And human nature, whether it's in the church, in an occult, or in a governmental system, when people want to manipulate and control people, they put demands on them that have no foundation and doesn't make any sense. Are you hearing me? I grew up with many religious beliefs that when I started checking them according to the word, were no Bible form. No wonder I couldn't find them in the word. Because it wasn't in the word. <laughs> well, look, I'm getting ready to go. Um, and what have you. I popped in tonight, as I said, to do this teaching. And I do this teaching in honor of my Lord and Savior, first and foremost. And first and foremost, in honor of my Lord and Savior. And I also do it in honor of my sister, Lovey, who just went home with the Lord Saturday. I love her. Now you say, why are you doing that for your sister who just went on with the Lord? Well, let me explain this to you. Sometimes when I was doing Facebook Lives to you all, and y'all were enjoying what I was teaching, my sister Lovey, who helped raise me when I was a teenager, whose house sometimes I slept over, my sister Lover would chime in. And I sometimes I would love to see what she would say. Because you see, although I'm a, although I'm a full-grown man, 
I still have respect for my older sisters because they, they are good to me. All of my sisters. I'm the baby boy in the family. And Lovey was one of the older ones. And I, I would love to see the words that she would say. Sometimes Lovey helped keep me centered by the grace of God. Well, look, I know that my sister Lovey is absent from the body and present with the Lord. And I'm going to let grief have its process. And what I wanted to share this message. Now, Wednesday, I will be back to work doing some work Wednesday because we got things we need to be doing and what have you. But I am going to grieve properly. I'm going to reflect on my sister. And I know she's with the Lord. And I got to get it done. Because you see, I got to finish my course. Our sister Lovey has finished her course. Our sister Lovey has kept the faith. Born again. Spirit filled. Worked in the church strong. Lived what she preached. I thank God for her. But now Ivory and Murray and Lois and William and Robert and Elton, come on. All of us, Regina, Lavola, and Stephanie, we got to finish our course. We got to finish what God called us to do. My brother Robert, we all got to finish. Nieces and nephews, love you. God bless you. Well, folks, I'll tell you all like I usually do. I got to get ready to get out of here. And I say this to you all like I usually do. Remember, my dear friends, that God is watching. Well, praise God. I trust that you enjoyed that message. Well, look, my dear friend, this is Apostle Hopkins. Amen. And I'm getting ready to get on up out of here. Look, if you want to sow a donation and bless us, you can do it on our website at pilgrimsministry.org. That's pilgrimsministry.org. Or you can go to our cash app and make a cash app donation to General Ivory Hopkins. It's just simply General Ivory Hopkins. It has been my pleasure, amen, to bring to you the things pertaining to kingdom, life, and family. So I trust these podcasts blesses you. And I'm going to catch you guys in another teaching. God bless. Bye-bye.